0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Aren't Celebration Sunday just a bunch of fun? Yes. And all the parents with young kids said, well, kinda, you know, sorta. It's a good time, but um, we are... We are thankful for the kids' ministry volunteers, are we not? Yes. But hey, uh, kids in the room, real quick, if you would, would you just stand up real quick? I know you, some of you, you've been up, down, up, down, on, off stage. Go ahead and stand up real quick where I can see you. If you're under the age of like 10, would you just stand up real big and tall where I can see you somewhere? Get on a chair if you need to. Let your, let your dad do the whole Simba situation if you're a little kid, you know, just get you up there. Hey, come on, church family. Can't we just welcome all these kids into the gathering this morning? Hey, listen to me. Look right at me, kids. Look right at me, kids. You are not the next generation of the church. You are a part of the church today. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You have been called to do tremendous and amazing and great things. We love you as a church family. We're excited that you're in here. And I'm not going to preach that long today. So it's not going to take too long, okay? All right. Hey, we love you. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Welcome to the room. Welcome to the room. We do these Sundays about once a quarter, as the calendar falls, every time there's a fifth Sunday, just like Garrick was just saying, and uh, we do these, we've been, it's a tradition we've been doing for a long time now, they were all in Sundays, and we had everyone in one service, now we have all, everyone in, but it's in two different services, but the same heartbeat, the heartbeat in this is that we would gather our church together and celebrate the things that God is doing in our family all as one. And so here we are, kids in the room. Parents, if your kids are just too wiggly today, God bless you, I love you. I have three of these of my own at home, okay? I'm used to some movement, but if you want some space, I believe we have everything streaming and going in the family room. So you can kind of get some space to breathe a little bit across the hall if you need it, okay? But today we are continuing in our Summer of Psalms series. How many of y'all, you've been liking this series so far? Hasn't been fun? We're gonna be in Psalm 78 today. So if you have your Bible, would you open it up? First graders, you just got your Bible. Have your parent help you get to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Don't worry. Second longest Psalm in the book. We're only doing the first eight verses, all right? Let's do this though. I know, I know a lot of other people have been standing up, sitting down, but not, not all of you got to participate. Let's all stand today as we read the Word of God together, can we? Psalm 78, starting in verse 1, going through verse 8. If you have your Bible, we're going to be reading in the ESV. If you don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen. The psalmist writes, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. But we will tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. How many of you guys, kids in the room especially, uh, had movies on a list that you were just not allowed to watch growing up? Yeah, how many of them, like, do you have an example? Can you just yell it out right now of a movie you really thought you should be allowed to watch growing up, but you weren't allowed? What was that movie? R- Rugrats, signs, you have good parents, bro. That's, that is a, that's a thriller. Any other movies? Kids, what movies are you not allowed to watch? What is it? One more time. SpongeBob, SquarePants, I get it, but he is a crazy optimist, so that is nice. Listen, I, I, I grew up with a friend um, who, who, who wasn't allowed to watch the movie Little Mermaid growing up. I know, and I don't want to out her in front of everyone, Katie, because I think that'd be kind of embarrassing, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) as, As I got to know Katie pretty well, the list of movies that she wasn't allowed to watch when she was a kid, it actually, it was quite extensive. And yes, I promise, Little Mermaid was actually on that list. And I never understood it when we were younger. But then as I got older, and as I started to understand the power that exists in stories, I start to understand why her parents didn't let her watch the movie of a young, rebellious, discontent girl who got everything she wanted in the movie after disrespecting and dishonoring her parents the entire time. Actually, I just described the plot of almost every Disney movie ever. (laughs) Right? Listen to me. Stories are powerful. Stories are powerful. The stories that you rehearse to yourself end up dictating who you believe yourself to be they end up dictating the behavior that you choose to do. The stories, the narratives that we grew up in, our our origin story, the household you belong to, it it influences so much of who you are in your life. Donald Miller is a famous author. He's written a couple different books, uh, Blue Like Jazz, and how How to Build a Story Brand. He helps small businesses hone in on not just selling a product, but telling their customers a story. And he says that, Stories are the single most powerful tool available to humans, and I think he's right. Jesus himself, he didn't teach with a textbook, if you will. He didn't give the disciples a curriculum to start following. He didn't leave them with a set of core classes that he was they were supposed to watch on video when he left. But what he did tell them were earthly stories with heavenly meanings. We know them as parables. And so, as he would walk along a path, he would say, "You know, there were four different kinds of seeds." And one fell on the rocky path and the bird snatched it right away. Some fell on rocky soil. Some fell and it grew amongst other weeds and it choked it out. Other grew in good, rich soil. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. That it is able to bear fruit a hundredfold if it's planted in the right soil. He taught us what forgiveness looked like. Not by giving us some legal document by saying, have you heard the story of the servant who was unwilling to forgive his servant after he'd been forgiven so much by his master? He communicated in stories. And what Donald Miller will teach us is he says in, in every story, and I hate to ruin movies for you um, this morning, but in every single story you will ever watch for the rest of time, there are four kinds of characters. There's a villain. So it starts off and Jason Bourne wakes up and he has amnesia and he doesn't know what happened to him. I'm sorry, he's a, he's a victim. I said the wrong one. He's a victim. On the, on the flip side of every victim is a villain. And so, of course, for every Luke Skywalker, there has to be a Darth Vader. Of course, for every Frodo Baggins, there has to be a Gollum. There has to be some sort of villain to exchange with the victim. But then always, at some point in time, there is going to emerge a hero. Praise God, there's going to be a hero that steps in to save the day. But it's not just these three characters you'll see in every film. What you'll also see is that ugly old green guy in Star Wars, the Yoda, the guide, the wizard. If you're watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, as I do sometimes, <laughs> it's O'Toodles coming in to offer some <laughs> solutions with these four tools that you can pick from. Am I right? Every single story has a victim, a villain, a hero, and a guide, a sage, if you will. When we read through these verses in the Psalms, well, the psalmist, this, this musical author in the household of David is probably who this is, writing this psalm. He's writing a song, trying to help Israel commit something to memory. How many of you have, like, a song from your childhood that is just completely ingrained in you, and you could never forget it, even if you tried? Yes. Alabama. Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut, doo-doo-doo. right? And so it just goes on. I just, you're like, do you know all 50 states? I'm like, yes, I do, in alphabetical order. Thank you very much can't forget them even if I tried. This is sort of what the psalmist is trying to do for us in the psalm. He's writing out in this song for the nation of Israel to put some things to memory, because I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you remember this or not about the people of God in Israel at this time. They were explicitly commanded to do some things with the story that God had entrusted to them. It was a powerful story of dramatic rescue out of an oppressive nation. God chose them and and pulled them out swiftly, parted the Red Seas, guided them by a pillar of smoke and fire, led them through the wilderness, provided for them daily. This is the story of the ancestors of Israel. And they were called to remember it. If you look through these several passages in the Old Testament in Exodus, it writes, and when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, It is the service of the Lord's Passover. Why do we do this with the sheep? Why do we do this with all these bitter herbs? Why do we do these different things? Well, it's because this isn't just a meal. This is the Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped afterwards, as he's giving the law in Deuteronomy chapter 11, it says, and you shall teach them to your children. Teach these commandments to your children, talking of them when you are sitting down in your house, and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. If you go on to now, when they're going in to conquer the promised land, actually, it's not just the law. It's not just rehearsing the story when it just happened. It is actually going out into the promised land. And Joshua writes, when your children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? We just crossed over this river. We just stepped into this land. We just built this little, I don't know, those little things that they stack up on rivers where there's all those like stones stacked up and they're balanced all nice. Why'd we do that? You shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. You should tell this story to your kids. Tell the coming generation of the glorious deeds that God has done. Make sure they know the story of Scripture because the story that they believe will be the story that influences how they behave. It'll be the story that shapes who they think they actually are. The story of the Bible is one of the most important stories. It is the only story that matters for us today. It is the most defining thing about Christians is that we understand the gospel narrative that you understand who you are in the image of God, who you are according to God, that he would die on your behalf, raise you from your sin, set you free from the captivity and bondage, just like Israel was facing in Egypt, and he'd deliver you out into a promised land someday to come. This is is the story of scripture. And I, I think... There's not a specific verse we could point to, but the theme, if you were to just kind of survey the rest of the Old Testament, is that Israel clearly failed in some areas. I mean, we go to the golden calf if we want to, right? I mean, we could go, we go to the moment right before Joshua gets on the scene, and Joshua's like, let's go. And they're like, those guys are massive, let's not. Israel had some massive failures. One of the failures that we don't have listed out in Scripture is how I think they probably failed to tell the generations behind them about the stories of what God had done for their people. Clearly, somewhere along the way, there was a generational break in who God was and what he had done and what they believed he was capable of doing. They lost sight of who they were, of what they were supposed to do. I think that it's, it all really boils down to humility. Somewhere along the way, Israel thought they were fine. Israel saw the way that every other nation was governed, and they decided we would really like to have a king of our own. God's like, but I'm your king. Like, yeah, but we want to do this our way. We want to have a king just like everyone else. They start to think of themselves too highly, and when you start to think of yourself too highly, I, I love this saying that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I think that's true. But you know what? Humility is also thinking of yourself a little less. The first part is still kind of true, isn't it? If you think that you're just, you know, a full topped off bag of awesome. <laughs> I, I have I have news for you this morning. You are not. I, I could use some words, but there, there are children in the room, right? I, I have my own history that I could almost just boil down to word i have some dumb moments in my past i have some pretty bad mistakes that i've made the more that i start to rehearse to myself man this i'm just so good i'm so awesome i'm so capable i have to be reminded no god has been really gracious to me Amen. is that true of some of you adults yes. kids don't look at your dad right now but he should be <laughs> nodding his head okay listen humility is something that we all have to practice in our own, rehearsing our own story can we throw that slide up, Judy? Humility keeps us on script. Humility keeps us on script. I have to believe that part of what happened to Israel is they started to branch off of who they were called to be. Was that they, they started to think of themselves too much. They started to think too highly of themselves. And they forgot the story that it was God that rescued them out of Egypt. It was God that rescued them out of Egypt. The second thing that I, I notice when I, when I read this when I read this passage, these first eight passages of Psalm 78, and I start to think of the different characters of a story, what I go to next is I start to think that everyone needs to find a sage for your story. Everyone, everyone, bear with me, okay? Everyone needs a Gandalf who will tell you that you're off track, who, who, who will yell at you if your name's Pippin, you know, like, you'll just, like, explode and just be mad. Like everyone, everyone needs somebody to show up at the right time when you think everything else is about to go wrong and is broken, but somebody will step in and help save the day. Everyone needs somebody to look up to, to go, okay, where are we going with this? And how do we get there? Everyone, let me put it this way in more spiritual terms. Everyone needs a spiritual father and everyone needs a spiritual mother. And I'm looking at a very multi-generational room right now. And for that, I am incredibly thankful. There's a lot of gray hair. There's some no hair. And there's some, there's some baby hair in the room and we got everything in between. And that's an awesome thing as a church. And so when I start to say things like spiritual mother and spiritual father, I don't want you just to think parenting and I don't want you just to think age. Like, oh, well now I have to go find somebody that's got grayer hair than I do to start speaking into my life. No, I'm starting to say, find somebody that's been just following Jesus longer than you have been. How many of you have been following Jesus for like less than 10 years? Just raise your hand, raise your hand up in the room. There's some adults in the room. There are some kids in the room. How many of y'all have been following Jesus for more than 40 years? Are you serious? Yeah, it's an amazing thing. I've been following Jesus for just right around 15 years in my life. And if it weren't for pastors or other mentors or other friends, not necessarily that much older than me, but just had a spiritually vibrant life that I want to model like someday, me asking them questions, me starting to get around them and go, hey, tell me what to do when you encounter this. Give me some sage advice here while I'm facing this thing because I can't actually find what to do in my marriage right now uh, in the Bible. The Bible is really helpful. It is the blueprint. It is everything that we've said about first grade Bibles. It is absolutely true. We believe it through and through as a church, but you know what? It doesn't tell you what to do when it comes to parenting all the time. Not the specifics, broad principles. Absolutely. But when you're up against some sort of like job situation, you know, I don't know. This way, that way, I don't know. You know who I need in that situation? I need a sage. I need a saint who's been following Jesus longer than I have been to follow, to to start to come into my life and start to speak words of wisdom into my life. Timothy had this. Young Timothy, pastoring this church in over his head, assigned by Paul. And Paul becomes his spiritual father, writing to him, encouraging him. This is what he has to say. He says, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And now, I'm sure it dwells in you as well. Do you see that? I, I, I want to say this was brought up just a couple weeks back, but like, if you, are, if you are a grandparent babysitting your kids, don't pass on the fact that you might be raising a Timothy right now in your household. I, I know your family situation's busted up. I know that you never saw yourself spending this much time with your grandkids. It's, don't listen to me. It's not a burden. It's an opportunity that the next generation is growing up right in front of you. You get to speak faith into that little person's life. You get to grab them by the face and tell them they are a loved child of the most high God. You get to form identity in them. You get to speak life into them. You get to speak truth over them. This is a privilege, church to grab the next generation behind us and say, come on, we're going forward wherever God would have us go. Grandmother Lois, mother Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you, young Timothy. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He goes on to say, you then my child being strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here's what's happening. As Paul is encouraging Timothy, he reminds Timothy to go back a couple of generations, click back up on the family tree and just be reminded of the fact that you didn't get here by accident. There was somebody pouring into you. And as he grabs Timothy's attention, what does he then say? And now take that message that's been entrusted to you and entrust it to others. Kick it now down a generation. Find somebody to pour into. And so this is the last point of my sermon. Then we're gonna get out of the way for some, a couple of baptisms this morning and do another song. Participate in the next generation church. Participate in the next generation. You know what I've learned after pastoring this church for just a few short years and being a part of this church for about 10 years prior to that? Money flows easy in this church. I promise you that. You hang around enough and you will see that generosity is response is not just a value that we try to say, but it's actually something that we live out. I've never seen a need put in front of this congregation and you guys haven't responded financially over and above what we've asked you to do. This church is generous with its money, with with like a, a staggering amount of generosity. And you know what we're in need of right now? We're in need of some of you, especially who have gone through Next Steps classes, who have joined membership. I'm needing some of you to participate in the next generation because we're not doing this $650,000 remodel over here in all these pre-K rooms so that we can have clean classrooms for babies to sit in without people who are going to be blessing that next generation and raising the next generation of kingdom movers and kingdom shakers in these rooms. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I we need, Garrick needs, D needs, Taylor needs people who are willing to go, I, I, like, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Austin, I don't, I don't want to do child care. I have great news for you. We don't do child care. We do, we do kids ministry. We speak blessing over children. We teach kids the big God story. I, I so vividly remember. I don't, Cheryl Wong, is she here? I haven't seen Cheryl. Cheryl Wong was the kids ministry uh, pastor for, for years and years. She was one of the first people who grabbed me as a young Christian. She said, hey, come help me. Come be a storyteller in the elementary room. You know what I said to Cheryl? I don't know enough of the Bible to be a storyteller. I can't preach. I can't teach it to kids. You know what she did? I I, I remember this vividly. She looked right at me. She said, Austin, do you think you can learn more than a third grader in a week? (laughs) That's like when you put it like that, I'm like, yeah, I I do think I can. I'll still never forget when Olivia Emmerich corrected me that there weren't 12 plagues. There were 10. (laughs) And a third grader gave me the business in front of everybody else. But listen to me, it is, it should not be a burden church to serve the next generation. What an opportunity, what an opportunity. We get these kids for an hour and a half every week. And all we have to do is bless the socks off of them while we have them. Tell them the story of what God has done. Tell the coming generation, the glorious deeds of what God has done. Say it from your own walk of faith. Say it from the scriptures. However it comes out of you, it is a privilege to call up the next generation and release them. And it's not just a privilege, but it is a command in scripture that we would participate in the coming generation and we would tell them the way to go. If we forget the story of scripture, if we don't practice it and rehearse it ourselves, we're liable to drift, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That's the old hymn. Your natural drift is not towards righteousness. Do I need to remind you of that this morning? It takes effort to steer yourself into the grace, mercy, kindness, story of who God is and what he's done. And I'm just laying out, like there, there's an opportunity coming into this fall. There will be a next gen night where we go into all of our kind of policies and procedures. I would love to invite you on August 31st, write that day down. If you have any inclination I promise we won't overuse you. You won't feel exhausted. You won't feel like you're working 50 hours a week and, you know, the, the church intern that's never getting paid. That's not how we do volunteering here. You, you will be a part of a serve team, serving every other, serving every other week, two times a month. That's how, that's how we approach it. And we need help in some of these areas. So come to that night, write it on your calendar, or you can go talk to Taylor right out here at the House Info Kiosk when we're done. Let me tell you just a quick story, and then I'm, and then I'm done. Have you all heard of the guy, William Tennet? No, nobody. This is perfect. Okay. I hadn't either until this week. Bill, of course. William Tennet was an average pastor. Average Presbyterian pastor. In fact, his his church tried to have him removed a few different times. Tried to have him fired. But they couldn't because he's Presbyterian. (laughs) They couldn't couldn't do it. He's a Scottish-born immigrated over, came to the 13 colonies in the 1700s, early 1700s, and he gets this vision to pour into the next generation of young people who are zealous for what God is doing in our time. He'd bring them into this little log cabin, and it was, it was affectionately, not affectionately, but more like in a, in a disingenuous way, it was, it was referred to as the log college, because William Tennant would bring these young people in, and he didn't, he didn't regard your background, your social status. He'd bring in all sorts of different mix of kids, all these young men, and he would just pour into them the story of Scripture, the story of what God has done. They'd practice theology. You know what, you know what the log college became? It was mocked by Presbyterians everywhere. You know, what it, you know what it became one day? Princeton. And from there, he sent off what they estimate probably 67 other early universities in our nation came from that little log college. He poured into a few young men that were zealous for Jesus. He told them the story of scripture, sent them out, released them, sent them across this new frontier. And that was then the American front of the first, of the Great Awakening. Some of the people that were influenced, the Wesley brothers, Uh, These people who were influential in some of our modern, uh, not our modern, our our original founding documents as a nation were impacted by this man in his little log cabin. And I just, I'll tell you that story because I'm just like, I'm inspired to think, man, what would it look like if a few of you older saints, not talking old in age, I'm talking old in the years of following after Jesus. Maybe kids ministry isn't for you in this season. That's fine. But what would it look like to, to grab a few young people and just say, hey, can we just talk about the story of Scripture together? Can I just love on you? Can I just buy you a cup of coffee? I have more money than you anyways. Let me buy you a cup of coffee. <laughs> Take some broke college kid out to lunch for his one good meal a week and just talk about Jesus together. Because look, this, this is last verse, 3 John. This is crazy to me. We're talking about John who, who walked with Jesus, witnessed all kinds of miracles, and he can write this. I have no greater joy than remembering that one time when Jesus, you know, calmed the storm and walked on water. I have, I have no greater, that's not what it says. I have no greater joy than, than remembering the time when Jesus fed those 5,000 people, those 15,000 people. Nope, that's not what it says either. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Do, do you grasp that with me? Like, like the apostle John who was who did amazing things? Goes. I can't think of anything better than hearing that my spiritual offspring, the 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 young the young men the young women that I poured into are now walking in the truth. And so here's how I would like to end for today. I just I want to spend a moment just praying for one another. And so if you are if you are um, a younger in your faith person, like following Jesus less than 10 years, would you just kind of slip your hand up in the air right now? Just boldly, confidently, go for it. All right, so you don't got to move out of your seats, but look, look at this. Let's just spend a moment. If you're around these people, can we just, can we lay our hands on them, and can we pray for them? Pray for humility to keep walking with Jesus, and can we pray for, uh, pray for just a zeal to keep pressing in to ask the questions and to run after him with everything they got? So extend your hands, lay your hands. I'm going to pray. Jesus, I just thank you for the people young in their faith. I thank you for a church that isn't just full of, of stuffy old Christians who have been doing this for forever and have all the answers right. Thank you for some questions. Thank you for some mystery. God, thank you that there are younger people in you trying to chase after wisdom. Jesus, I just pray that you would help this be a place where we can grow, where we can put some spiritual uh, muscle on the legs we're standing on. Help us, help us learn things. Help us ask for a, a, a sage to speak wisdom into our life. Help lead us along the way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey now, hold on. If you've, praying, if you've been following Jesus a lot longer than that, would you raise your hand? Now we're gonna flip it. Now we're gonna pray for those people with their hands up. So younger people, spiritually younger people, extend your hands. Lay your hands on somebody. Here's for all, all of us that have been walking with Jesus for a long time. We pray for humility. God, don't, don't let us get tired of the gospel. God, don't, don't let us grow weary of the story of scripture. Help us stay humble. Help us keep finding people to speak into our life we don't have it all figured out just because we've been doing this longer. We maybe have even more questions now than we did at the beginning. Help us keep pressing in. Help us not grow weary of doing good. Help us, Jesus, stay young in our zeal, in our ambition to follow after everything that you have for us. Help us not be like the older brother who got to spend just tons of time in God's house and maybe grew a little complacent with the blessing that came from being there. Help us press in and follow after you. Help us be hungry for you. Help us be desperate for you just as much now as when we first fell in love with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.